It's time for pumpkin flavors and new fall favorites at Dunkin'. And also some tough decisions. Like, do I want a signature pumpkin spice ice latte? A brand new oat milk latte? A new chai latte? Or a pumpkin iced coffee? Oh, and the bakery. Do I want a pumpkin donut or... Uh, there are other people behind you in this drive-thru. Oh, uh, I'll just take it all. Okay. It's all the cozy you crave at Dunkin'. Pumpkin favorites and new fall additions. Like new creamy without the dairy oat milk lattes and the signature pumpkin spice ice latte plus more. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome, listener. How are you? We're glad you're doing well. So... What what are we going to talk about today? Well, I haven't um, really had a chance to take a look at our group today. I had a student today, so I didn't have a chance to read what all of you are saying and wanting to talk about. So, one moment here. Right. So I haven't had a chance to really look look at our group to see what you're talking about today. So in in this episode, um, I'm going to talk about basically something that I want to talk about today, which is the fact or answering a question that, again, you know, yesterday we started off with a lot of different controversial things um, with the, you know, things that you should never say to a blind person that and now today we're going to get into something else that's also uh, painfully controversial, which is the issue of travel. So should should a blind person travel? Why or why not? Well, of course is the answer. Now I have noticed that in the blindness community and as it relates to many blind people I have noticed that many blind people are seeming to be afraid afraid of traveling and I don't really know why this is if blind people are going to be successful in a world that is designed for people with vision then we need to be traveling. Um, but it is a worthwhile topic to discuss because we can talk about the various, you know, issues that come up during traveling. The first issue that I have noticed is that Traveling overseas or traveling in an international sense um, with a guide dog has significant challenges. There were several times that I had to work very hard to get my guide dog, Nani, into several different countries. So... 
I will, I will tell you that, and I think this definitely relates back to the issue of guide dogs. I will tell you that if you're thinking about a guide dog, also consider um, how much international traveling you, you know, you really want to do. Because once you have a guide dog, that issue of getting into countries with your dog will become a lot more difficult. Um, and I don't really know why this is such a major issue. Um, I mean, I kind of have some ideas, but I don't think um, it needs to be this big of a deal. But unfortunately, again, the rest of the world, outside of, for the most part, outside of the United States, and perhaps England, perhaps Great Britain, the majority of the world is not really used to accommodating uh, blind people. And the majority of the world is not really used to blind people being successful. So because of that, when you, you know, when you come into their country or when you come into their country and expect, you know, American ideas and American rules, well, that doesn't, that doesn't really fly. Um, and I've learned over my travels that one of the things that you learn from traveling is that you learn to have compassion for the fact that people in different countries have different perceptions of life. And this seems like this would be obvious, but it really is not. Um, let me, uh, let me tell you about some of the places that I, I will tell you some of the places that I have been to. Um, there's a couple places that I have been to, but I keep them to myself uh, for personal reasons. But I'll tell you um, some of the major places that I've been and the different types of experiences that I've had. <clears throat> um, so I'm 28 years old, as I've said. And the first time that I traveled, I um, was 14 years old. And my parents... And brother, who was only seven, six or seven years old at the time, um, we took a cruise um, on on Disney or with with the Disney company. And I remember that we we went to to Florida first. We went to some theme parks in Florida, obviously, and then we got on we got on the ship. And I remember that it was. You know, basically my first time on a major ship um, like that. It was my first time. It was definitely my first time leaving the United States. And so we we went on this particular cruise. We went to uh, the Bahamas, which was a or which is an island that right now is having a very hard time with Hurricane Dorian. But. We, the ship went to the Bahamas, and I remember that one day we, you know, we got off the ship. And we walked around Nassau, which is, as I suppose, the main city, or uh, it might in fact be the capital of the Bahamas. I'm not entirely sure, but we walked around Nassau, and that was my, you know, first experience walking around in another country. And types of these types of experiences are are really really important for blind people because when you are in these you know in these countries around the world 
um, you learn that people all over the world have a very different perception of life and a very different perception of success. So, you know, then I had some really good food on the ship, probably, and that was, you know, my first positive experience uh, with travel. I, I will tell you, I've never really had a negative experience traveling. Um, then the next time, the next major trip that I took, that I will tell you about, is that I studied abroad um, in England. And I studied at the University of East Anglia. And this is a beautiful university in the city of Norwich. And Norwich is in northeastern England. Um, it's in the province called East Anglia, and it's a wonderful place to go. England is a very accommodating country uh, for blind people. Everything is very accessible and very easy there. So it was important for me to do that, to have that experience to study abroad, so that I could, you know, have the opportunity to basically participate in what goes on in, in another country. And it was very, very interesting. I met a lot of students from, from around the world there. I met a lot of students from China. Um, but really every country is represented in, in the United Kingdom or in England. And this was really amazing. Then... Throughout my schooling and throughout university, I learned French because French is our family's second language. And because our family speaks French, I'm able to go to France and speak French. So, the first time I went to France um, was in, let me think about it, was in 2000, uh, March of 2015. Yeah. It's kind of a, feels like it's kind of a long time ago. You might be laughing when I say that, but it really seems, really seems like a while back. And I brought Nani. My guide dog, of course, and it was um, a little challenging to get Nani all the way to France. But after we got her there, she really enjoyed herself. I don't know if Nani speaks French with the other dogs, I guess. And who knows if Nani even noticed she was in France. But the French people really love dogs. And one of the cultural things that I noticed or you notice about France is that people are very relaxed about their dogs. They bring them into stores, they bring them into restaurants, and the, the dogs behave a lot better in France than the dogs here in the States or in the Americas. So, you know, I noticed, I've noticed that. <clears throat> and then I um, had a wonderful time there. I went... Let's see, I stayed... The first time I went to France, I stayed in a city called Montpellier. And Montpellier is in southern France, um, in, the, in the province of Languedoc. And I think the second 
word of the province is called Long Longduak or Long Longduak Brousselin, uh, I think, is what it's called in French. But if you're um, if you're one of my French listeners, now I don't know. I haven't seen in my I have not seen the French flag pop up in my analytics. Um, but if you are a French listener, you would you would know where Montpellier is. It's a wonderful, wonderful city. So then, um, then last year I ended up going back to France with my family, and we went to two great, basically two great cities in France. We went to Nice, and we went to Exon, and those are really great cities. I will tell you. You know, if you want... Come on, Nani. Let's go. If you want a city um, in France that is really geared towards tourism and is still a really nice city to go to, then you should definitely go to Nice. But I will also tell you that if you speak French like me, when you go to Nice, you think there's too many tourists there, you know. You hear all the languages. You hear a lot of Italian. There's a lot of Italians there. Because Nice, Nice means Niza. So Niza used to be part of Italy. And <clears throat> I don't know all of the history behind that, but I know that Nice, the, why Nice is Nice is because it was known as, well, a group of people called Les Niçois. But before Les Niçois, which are the people who live in Nice, um, they were basically Italian or basically Roman citizens. So they would have spoken Latin. And then, um, actually they spoke, until modern French developed, the people of Niza, or the people of Nice, spoke a language called Nisak. Um, I don't know what that sounds like. It's a dead language, I believe. I don't think there's anybody today that can still speak Nisak. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting linguistical topic, actually. All of the cities in Italy, and certainly most of the cities in France... Oh, until the 17 or 1800s, um, all spoke their own languages. So, France is actually quite a, a diverse place when it comes to languages, although that the only language that is spoken in, in public places in France is French. The French people certainly were not speaking French forever. In fact, they've only been speaking French relatively recently. So, it's, it's interesting. It's a really interesting place. Um... <clears throat> And then, yeah, and then, you know, Exxon, I think, Aix-en-Provence is another beautiful city. Now, Exxon is truly French. There are not nearly as many tourists there. Um, you know, nobody speaks English, which, you know, it's not a problem for me, but, it, you know, it is a problem for you if you want to go to France and you can't speak French. Well, then you, you need to go to one of the more touristy or one of the more modern cities. But, yeah, Exxon, Exxon is nice. Um... <clears throat> Now, I've been to some other other interesting countries, too. With friends from my university, I've also taken a trip um, to Austria. And I went to Vienna. And that was a lovely place. Although, the, the Viennese people um, only, only really want to speak German. And since I cannot speak German... Um, I, you know, really can't do much in Nice. Or in, I really cannot do a whole lot of things in Vienna. 
in Austria because I do not speak German. So, but it still, still seems to be like a really nice city um, with a lot to do. Um, it's just not as accommodating towards tourism as France is. And truthfully, the Austrian people um, are very reformed and very stern, and they really, they really prefer to be left alone. They really do not want to be bothered by tourists. So yeah, I've been there. I've been to Vienna. I also, um, I also took a trip to Poland with some friends from my university. And this is where, by the way, in Poland, this is where yesterday, if you remember yesterday, we were talking about the certain things not to say to a blind person. This is where I encountered someone who tried to um, introduce me to another blind person. And the person who did this introduction... Um, only did it out of the kindness of her heart and did not even know that it was inappropriate. Um, but it is. But they still, you know, again, when you travel overseas, the other thing you have to be prepared for is that people's, you know, people's perception of what is right and wrong and appropriate behavior and not tends to vary a lot um, from region, you know, Region to region. <clears throat> so, I did that trip, and then I also took a trip, a vacation, a couple years ago to Prague. And Prague is very interesting, although they drink a lot of beer and they eat a lot of meat. So if you don't like beer and if you don't like meat, then there's not um, really... There's not a whole lot you can eat or drink, but you can find certain things. Now, the other issue that I want to bring up in travel is that there seems to be a bit of a controversy right now. And the controversy seems to be that either... Blind people are refusing to travel because they are simply too afraid. Or they will only travel by themselves. Or they will only travel in a group, with a group. Or they will refuse to do all of those things and so they will refuse to travel. Now, I will advocate for the, the fact, the idea that I think blind people need to accept that if you really want to travel, you kind of have to go with an organized company. You kind of have to go with a group.
And the best group to travel with in the world is a group called Travelize. They are a group that is based in the United Kingdom. And if you're more interested to learn more about this organization, send me a message, comment below, send me an audio message, and ask me and I will reach out to you and give you the link for their information. I hesitate, though, to give a whole lot of information because a lot of blind people in the United States do not like this organization. And I do not know why. Because this organization, Travelize, although they are a British company, they are by far the most appropriate and the most professional company I've ever traveled with. I'm going to participate in another trip with them. So here's where I've been with Travelize. Um, last year when we were in France, I took a three-day trip to Amsterdam. And uh, Amsterdam in the Netherlands. By the way, Amsterdam is a wonderful city. I highly recommend going there. Um, everything is accessible. Uh, things, things like that. Um, and the food, oh, the food in Amsterdam is so good. If you go, go to Indonesian um, or Vietnamese uh, restaurants, for sure. So that was that was a really a really good experience. <clears throat> Come on. And then the second trip that I took with Travel Eyes was that a couple months ago, this past April, we went to Swaziland. Swaziland is near South Africa. And we had a wonderful time. Um, we even had an elephant chase our Jeep. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then later this year, I'm going to go on a, on a cruise that Travel Eyes will be, will be offering. So, overall, I would highly recommend Travelize to any blind person who wants... Hold on here. You know, as you're joining me in the, around the neighborhood here, I have to stop for cars. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, if you want to go on a trip as a blind person, that will be a very successful and a very rewarding trip. Definitely participate with Travel Ice. So, you know, when you go on these trips with Travel Ice, you really do not need to worry about feeling like you are being controlled um, by sighted people. Because you really aren't. When they, when you're on a travelized trip, you are mixed with a group of some blind people and some sighted people, and you are paired up with them that day, and you basically, you basically just walk with the person, but you as the blind person can decide what you do. 
And you as the blind person can set the pace of the trip. You do have an itinerary. And you do have certain activities that you, you know, have to get done each day in the trip. But there is really no... There's really no pressure. And there's really no coddling or... Um, there's really no behavior on the trip that would ever make a blind person feel uncomfortable. So, you know, my opinion right now is that I feel that the blind people of the United States do not like this organization. And you don't need to like Travel Eyes if you don't want to. But I do, I will give my opinion that I think you would be giving doing yourself an immense disservice if you simply failed to travel your entire life because of your perceived opinion of this organization. And I am giving you my opinion of the organization. <clears throat> so I think, I think that is um, a really, a really, really, really serious and a really important issue that, in, in my opinion, many blind people are simply not, just not very independent. And apart from the fact that it affects the blind person, I also would say that it affects society's perception. of what a a blind person can and cannot do. So I think that as a whole, if society notices that more and more blind people are traveling independently or traveling in general, I think that will really help to uh, promote the, the successful way that blind Americans can function in the world. So what do you think about that issue? And what do you think about the fact that so many blind people are simply uh, too afraid, um, you know, too afraid to travel, you know? And <clears throat> the, other, the other thing that is going on a lot right now in America, in particular in the Americas, is that there is a constant struggle with blind people using Uber and using public transportation with all sorts of stories of discrimination, of drivers misbehaving, of drivers misbehaving, and all sorts of strange things like that. And you know what I think? I think that one of the reasons why there's so many problems with transportation is because not enough blind people are using it successfully. Because not enough blind people are demanding that they be treated appropriately when they get into an Uber. And so when enough people um, travel successfully, that can really that can really change society, I think. And I think that this is um, an issue <clears throat> that needs to be discussed in the community because I think, I also feel that blind people have lost interest in this issue for the most part. And I feel that they, that they have moved on to other issues 
that, in my opinion, are not worthwhile things. So, what I, what I want to see is I want to see more blind people traveling. And so that we can start to address this transportation issue. And so that we can uh, really correct and really make the change. So that society starts to see that blind people can travel successfully. And that's really, in essence, what it's about. It's about a lot of other things, too. Um, yes, I've heard some rumors that Uber is going to change their rating system where any passenger with rating less than X will be banned or some such thing. Um, and if that, if they do that, U- Uber will probably end up losing a lot of business in, in the end. So let's see how that works out for them. I, I, I don't know how that will end up working out, but I do know that if you ban a customer, well, the customer won't be able to give you money. So philosophically, I mean, having nothing to do with business or economics, I don't know how that's going to work out, right? If you tell someone you can't come back into the store, well, then your store won't get their money again. Okay? So I don't know. I thought this was a good, a good, a good entry today um, about travel, about basically answering your question, which nobody asked it today because I haven't had a chance to look on the, on, in our group, see what you're talking about. Um... <clears throat> No one really gave me an idea today, so I talked about the issue of travel. And the question is, should blind people travel the world? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Okay? So, Nani and I are almost home. And before I forget, let me remind you of a couple of things. Alright? So, one moment. You know, if you don't want to listen to Aaron's show on Anchor.fm, you don't need to because we're broadcasting on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. And I will let you know when we expand to other platforms. So you've been listening to Aaron's show, a show where we talk about issues for blind persons, issues in the blindness community as they relate to our friends, our colleagues. And education. Again, what do you think about traveling as a blind person? I'd cer- I certainly want to talk to you about it. So, have a... I hope that you will come back tomorrow, listener, from wherever you are. And we're nearly home now. Let me just... All right then. Well, as we always say, have a good day today and a great day tomorrow. Okay? Bye. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. 
Calculate how much you can save at penfed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. With Metro and the best deal in wireless, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees included every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. 5G access requires capable device. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details.